Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. Your Bible, find a friend that has a Bible and lean in close to them. Amen. All right, the Bible says, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary, say elementary. elementary. In elementary school, were you learning calculus? No. If you were, then you were definitely at a private school <laughs> for geniuses, right? I missed the, my first two weeks of uh, my junior year in high school. I decided I was about to drop out of school, and two weeks later, I was like, maybe I'll finish because then I'm just going to have to get a full-time job, and well, that's like worse hours, you know? I'm <laughs> like, wait a second, this is not as what it's made up to be. So I went back to school, and I had calculus or pre-calculus. I, I missed two weeks. That was enough for me. I'm like, okay, I'll never catch up. I just dropped out, you know what I'm saying? To this day, I don't know what all those buttons on those TI-85s are there for. I don't know to what benefit it has added anybody's life, but there is that engineer out there that has said, calculus is where the money's at. I don't know, so I don't know what I missed out on. But elementary school is where you learn the basics, the reading, the writing, the, the basic math. And, and the Bible's saying that these are the basic truths for Christianity, that we should have these firmly understood within us, and then we can go on to greater things. So let us go on to perfection, which is maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance, very important. We're talking about the importance of repentance. You have to turn your back on sin. You have to decide, I don't want it. You have to decide, I want who God is and what, what, want what God brings. And then faith towards God. And then the doctrine of baptisms, plural. So there's, there's, there's literally denominations and people that teach. There is one baptism based upon 1 Corinthians 4, where Paul says there is one Lord, one baptism. But Paul is speaking in 1 Corinthians 12 about one baptism the baptism of the holy spirit paul also says in acts to those what baptism were you baptized with we were baptized in the baptism of john under repentance and then he baptized them in the holy ghost so the same writer recognizes there are multiple baptisms we established that the baptism of repentance the baptism in the holy spirit and the baptism of fire amen who has ever tasted of the fire come on but my god is an all-consuming fire some people know him as light, some people know him as love, but I've met him as fire. And let me tell you, whoo, it's good. Gets deep within you. Then the laying on of hands, the laying on of hands throughout scripture is where we, we impart to another. We establish uh, um, callings, ordaining people for the ministry. We lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So it's like as a born again believer. You're supposed to lay hands on the sick and recover. It also in scripture says we lay the laying on of hands was used to impart or be used by God to transfer the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So every time you see people prayed for for the Holy Ghost, they would lay hands on them. They would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and they would speak in new tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. And so that's all throughout scripture, the laying on of hands. And this is elementary principles. Amen. Then it says, the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment, this we will do if God permits. Today I'm going to put a lovely wrapping bow on the end of this um, sermon series with dealing with resurrection and judgment together because they are literally connected in every way. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the penalty of sin is death. 
that when man was made, man was immortal. They ate of the tree of life. They were not going to die. They were not going to get older and age. They were just going to be immortal. But sin entered in man when, when man questioned the word of God, went against what God said. Sin brought death. Now, death was not immediate. It wasn't a physical immediate death. He didn't eat the apple or not apple. It doesn't say apple. It just says fruit. It was probably, what's a really bad fruit? It's probably like papaya or something. That's a, you know what I'm saying? You know. A pomegranate. You know, that's not of the Lord. Choking on those seeds. People are like, it's good. What is good about... <laughs> picking fights. All the pomegranate crew is going to jump me in the parking lot and shove pomegranate down my throat. You will eat it. It's good for you. It's rich in antioxidants. What does that even mean? Free radicals. What is that? And so, whatever the fruit was... They ate it. They shouldn't have ate it. They didn't die immediately, but what they experienced immediately, because there's, there's multiple things scripturally, physical death is everybody in here will ultimately one day this flesh will die because sin entered the world. Every fleshly person will see death and the world itself will come to an end, as the Bible tells us, all because of the effects of sin. Physical death is a result of sin, but... It is not the end of man. Physical death is just the end of this physical body. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man for once to die, but after that, the judgment. So after physical death, there is judgment. Shout judgment. So we understand scripturally that though the body perishes, the person does not perish completely. There is something beyond that in the word of God that I'm going to lay out scripturally for you, the difference between what is beyond for a believer and an unbeliever is very huge. It puts scriptures like there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus in perspective or the reality of that whosoever believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Who that believeth not shall be condemned. That the difference is the choice we make here on planet earth. I saw it was some famous person passed away like a, a month ago or whatever. And I, I remember reading the article. And when I read it, I almost teared up as a, as a thought hit me of the faithfulness of God. Because though they were a hard person and though there, there was no doubt the, everything about, you know, they, they'd done wicked things and stuff, pretty reprobate life. I thought of the faithfulness of God because I guarantee you they did not taste of death until God had at least given them an opportunity to hear the truth of the gospel. That's the God that we serve. He will shine light into every dark corner of this earth because he is faithful to reach them and give them a choice. Who is glad that God found you in darkness and translated you into light? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because there's no difference between an unbeliever and a believer except for Christ. He washed us and cleansed us. We believed it and we were transformed. And it's for everybody that would believe it. So it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Physical death is where the body dies. But beyond that, there is spiritual death. Spiritual death is ultimately, we were, we were born in a sin nature, the Bible says. And the scripture uses it that we were dead in our sins until we met Christ Jesus. So even a young child born into sin 
is dead spiritually until they meet Christ Jesus. And when they met Christ Jesus, life sprung up within them. Amen. What is spiritual death? It is the separation between man and God. It is the severing of your soul and its connection to God, to his voice, to his leading, to that intimacy that you are made for. Man was made to walk in the cool of the day in the presence of the Lord. When Adam sinned, sin severed that communion with God. That's spiritual death. That's why a spiritually dead person is empty. They are blind. They don't see the goodness of God. They don't see the hand of the Lord. They don't hear his voice. They don't have the same things that believers have because they are dead in that realm. Come on. But then when you got saved, when you truly got saved, you will hear people testify. It's like things got better. It's like trees got greener. Birds got more beautiful. You know, everything in my life became more amplified and alive because you actually came to life spiritually. So now you have a spiritual life that is vibrant in its connection with God. And through that, I gain access to the realms of the Spirit of God. I mean, I can hear Him. I don't have to turn on talk radio to listen to some person tell me what God is doing. I can hear the voice of the Lord. I can read his word. It can explode within me. Revelation can come from God because I have been made alive on the inside. Because I'm no longer spiritually dead. I'm still in this body because I'm in this fallen world. I still have the aspects of death working within me. I get a more few cracks every single year. I don't know how it happened. It really amplified the day I said yes to pastoring. I aged 33 years. Nobody ever told me that. People are like, how old are you? I'm actually only 13. This is what pastoring will do to you. Jesus. But John 5, 28 through 29, to put it in perspective, as I keep laying out the word, it says, do not marvel at this. Now, this is Jesus speaking. Don't marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So physical death will be triumphed over from the Lord. Shout Amen. Though your physical body will one day give up its last breath, it is not the end of you. You will come back. All will come back because Christ is life and everyone will come back. To the believer, they will come back to the resurrection of life. To an unbeliever, to a resurrection of condemnation. Physical death will be interrupted by Christ Jesus. But he will bring back believers at his second coming. Who has studied that out? Who knows what I'm talking about? The second coming of Christ. The triumphant return of Jesus Christ to planet earth coming in with all the hosts of heaven and all the believers. Those on the earth will be caught up in the air. Those that are in the ground will come out and be resurrected with him and come back in shouts of glory and victory for the final battle. Because that is the second coming of Christ. I have my rank. I have my number. I'm in the army of the Lord. And I know that when that day comes, when that trumpet sounds, I will be in that great number. Hallelujah. If that's you, shout amen. And praise God. But then an unbeliever, their resurrection comes after the millennial reign of Christ. 
So the scripture lays out for us, people are like, heaven is just a place with clouds. And we get issued a white robe and some wings. And some of us actually have to be naked if we're cute little baby size. Other of us have to put on halos and carry swords. That is not, that's Hollywood's version of heaven. That is not heaven. Heaven has streets of gold and mansions. There's a throne room of glory. There are angels about it. There's a host of saints there. And it will come back and we will live in a new earth. After the millennial reign of Christ, which during the millennial reign of Christ, when you read it out, so there's some exciting stuff. It'll be peace. There will still be temptation, the Bible says, that after that thousand years, some will fall away. Some won't. But it says that animals will be redeemed. We're talking about Narnia stuff here, people. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah. Like, bro, I'm going to straight up have a Bengal tiger, lions around me. Where's Caleb? There he is in his, his horde of wild cats, like, and just walking around. You know what I'm saying? I'll grow my hair out in my glorified body like a mane. You'll see me. I'll be like, I'll train my lion to do the same thing. You're going to be like, there's Caleb. exciting stuff people are like i don't know about heaven i'm gonna be bored there you don't read your bible there's exciting stuff in the word of god amen so praise the lord spiritual death also a result of sin as i said was when we've been separated from god there's a saying i've heard from the time i got saved and started going to the river tampa bay church that those that are born once die twice those that are born twice die once. Many Pentecostals, old school preachers would go around saying that all the time. And we understand the simplicity of those. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But let's talk about dying twice. Many people don't understand what is dying twice. So the work of death is physical. It's spiritual. But there is a scripture lays out in Revelations 2.11. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Say second death. Second death is eternal death, the Bible says. It calls it the second death. In Revelations 21, it gives more detail. But the cowardly, say cowardly. You are supposed to be bold as a believer. The Bible here is laying out that the cowardly will enter into judgment you are not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not supposed to hide his name from your life. You're supposed to shout it from the rooftops till the whole world knows that if you're looking for those wild believers in Jesus Christ, if you're wanting to line them up in a line, line me up first because I'll not deny him. I'll not turn my back on him. I'll be bold as a lion. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's why you've got to conquer fear. Say, no, not in me. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Liars. Better pray for, for government leaders. Amen. They shall have a part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So as we're laying out judgment and resurrection, I want to point out to you the reality of judgment coming upon everyone that denies Christ Jesus. You will stand accountable for every action, for every motive, 
for everything that you have ever done, for every thought, for every attitude, for, for all of those things, they will stand accountable for that. And the Bible says that then is the second death. Second death is eternal death. So the reality scripturally for you to understand is not everyone will have eternal life. Only those who come to know Christ and receive him shall have everlasting life. But everyone will have an eternal conscience. They will be aware. They will be enslaved. The Bible lays out multiple things about the second death. The lake of fire. Worms eating your body and no relief. Fire upon you. Emptiness. Sorrow. Depression. Heaviness. It's the turning. Always being able to look at freedom and look at what was there. But never being able to taste of it. And it says it's eternal. This is where when you begin to study this, you realize why you should have a drive to get people saved. I mean, I don't want anybody to experience that. And yet many will experience it because they choose to deny Christ Jesus. That's eternal death. Eternal death is, is, is a life forever apart from God. Sorrow without end. Pain without relief. Torment without reprieve. It's for those that hate God and turn their back on him and do not receive his love. And the Bible says in Revelations 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose, faith the earth, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for him, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in, written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then even death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Wow. Think about that. Everything man does. I don't care if it's a black ops, CIA, off the books, no record, everything hidden, false identity. Nothing escapes the eyes of the Lord. Everything you said, everything you did, everything is written down in heaven. They have total knowledge of everything that has happened. And the only way, shout only way, only. to escape that judgment is to receive Christ Jesus. Amen. That's why when Jesus came and said, I am the way, he was not saying, I'm the way to a better life now. I'm the way to six steps of a greater you. I'm the way to abundant living on earth. He was literally meaning, I am the only way that you will escape what is coming. But if you believe in me, you will not taste of death. Life will begin to work in you. Life will begin to work in you. So for the unbeliever, death is always at work within them. They are born and they start dying. That's what they say in Tennessee. Real great words. You're born and you start dying. It's true though. 
Death is working in every person until you receive Christ. And then something supernatural happens where no longer does death work within you, but life begins to work within you. And life more abundantly begins to get in you. That's why Jesus said the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Life works within a believer. Life. I'm not edging to death. I'm edging to greater life. I'm on the pressing forward to the more in Christ Jesus. Woo! I feel fire in the river today. Took a week off. I'm a little bit fired up. He's the only way. Christ is the only way. But when you receive him, everything changes. Not once you die on earth. Everything changed instantly when Christ became your Lord. Life sprung within you. Spiritual death is no longer yours. Jesus conquered every form of death, which means he conquered physical deaths, which means your body will come back to life. You say, what? Yes, you cannot escape that hairline. It will be with you for eternity. I'm just joking. When eight people just frown. No, no, tell me it ain't so, Pastor. When, when Jesus was resurrected, he walked around in his body and still possessed the scars from the wounds inflicted upon him on the cross. Your body will be resurrected. This physical body will give way, but it will come back to a glorified body. That glorified body, praise God, hopefully it doesn't need to go to the gym. Whew. Hopefully it never has a bad hair day. It shouldn't. Death is not working with it anymore. Death is conquered and now life is with it, so it's better. But God delivered us even from physical death. That's why you can sit with someone that served the Lord 60 years. In the last few, few you know, days, weeks, months of their life, towards the end. And you listen to what they talk about. They don't talk about regret. They don't look back. They're not looking back at their life talking about what they are actually projecting and looking forward. People that have served the Lord for 60 years, when they get closer to it, they edge closer to life and they know it. And they start talking about the veil. The veil is getting thin. The veil is being lifted. I'm seeing life. I'm seeing glory. I'm seeing reward. I'm seeing heaven. And it's exciting. But you get around a person that hasn't served God. Harden their hearts to the Lord. In their last days, it's an entirely different scene that plays out. They start crying about the good old days, looking and clinging to the past, trying to get more life, trying to get more time, trying to find a reason for it all. But they can find nothing because you can't reach back and get it. But through Christ, forget the things which are behind. As the Bible says in Philippians 3.10, reading in the Amplified Version, the Amplified Classic. Not this newfangled amplified. We got to go back old school. Back when preachers wore polyester suits. And had microphones hung around a necklace because lavaliers didn't exist. When not only were they talented preachers, but they could skip over the line because it wasn't wireless, but they would never miss a beat. 
you surf right there. Close your eyes, lift your hands, get ready to receive. Amen, brother. You ever watch those old videos? These guys are like lassoing like cowboys. <laughs> Microphone cable whipping around, grabbing someone. Come here! When men were men, yeah. They couldn't even shave because the hair would never go away. Razor, but it was right there. Men were men. That's when the Amplified Classic was written, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Philippians 3.10, and the Amplified says, For my determined purpose is, Paul writing, My determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Jesus. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually, say continually, transformed in spirit in his likeness, even to his death, that in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in the body. Whoo! Jesus. Resurrection life works within a born-again believer. When you got Jesus within you, we everything shifted in a moment. And I'm going to use the shift word like a true prophet. Amen. <laughs> You feel that shift? We went into fifth gear, overdrive, whatever. It shifts. Things change. Because now resurrection life is working within you. Every day now I can be transformed more and more into his image. That's why the Bible talks about going from glory to glory. From faith to faith. It's the continual working of transformation of Christ working within you as a born again believer. So that where you are today, if the Lord tarries and if your life remains, you will be further this time next year. Where I am today is not where I was a year ago, but where I'm going, you better get ready world. Because eye is not seen and ear is not heard. Even half of what God has in store for those who love him. It's a continual work of God within me. So things that the enemy had on me three years ago that would trigger me, God is Develop me and develop me and transform me where you can push that button, but that wire's been disconnected. You can't trigger me anymore because love has worked within me. Redemption has worked within me. Resurrection has worked within me. I'm not the dead man I once was. It's a transformation. It's life working within a person. It's resurrection. See, resurrection and judgment are connected. They're right there with each other. Because the Bible says, Revelations 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he who has, has part in the first resurrection. First resurrection, the second coming of Christ. Over such the second death has no power. 
They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Isn't that beautiful? That's why we say those that are born once die twice. Those that are born twice die once. We will not taste of second death. It has no power over us. We will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years and then after that eternally with the Lord. Amen. This is the word of God. May he bless the reading of his word today. Amen. There's a difference that exists in scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.10 where it says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive all the things done in the body according to what he has done whether it be good or bad. So let's talk about judgment for a believer. For an unbeliever, it's a judgment of condemnation. We've established. For those that don't receive Christ Jesus, when they are resurrected and they are lifted up, it is a resurrection of condemnation, as Scripture says, where they will stand accountable and pay the price for all the sin and be subjected to the lake of fire as the second death. That's condemnation. They were like, I just feel like you're condemning me. Bro, you don't know what condemnation is. Eternally separated from God. But for a believer, the judgment that we will enter into is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There's judgment for a believer just as there's judgment for an unbeliever. Now stay with me because you're about to just get, hold your breath and throw bottles at me and say false prophet. But hear me out. Alright? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says... If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. Shout reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Now, what I want to establish first is this is obviously speaking to believers because there is only one way to be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we have established that you can't have your life tried and still be saved just by good intentions. The only way to be saved is through Christ Jesus. So we know in this scripture it's not talking about unbelievers and believers. It is talking about believers, that a believer's life will be tried by fire. So our actions and our works and our deeds will be judged. We are not resurrected or judged. We don't go to a judgment of condemnation. We go to a judgment of rewards. The Bible begins to list the eternal rewards. And I've seen this a lot lately. It's going all over social media that I don't respond to. But it's like where people writing, where does the thief and cross fit in your theology for he was never filled with the holy ghost he never led anybody to the lord never discipled anybody he made it into heaven yes he did praise god but the goal is not to wait until your final breath to receive christ jesus and die with nothing to show for your life on earth is it is that our goal man if i could just know the day i die then that's the day i'd cry out to jesus and then i can live like hell up until then the moral of the thief on the cross is the grace of God. There will be many that fall on right in the last breaths of their life. Think of their grandmother that told them about Jesus. Think of their father that was there and led them to the Lord. And cry out to God and they will be saved. But when their life is tried, there will be nothing for it because they live for the wood, hay, and the stubble. 
The everything American culture tells you is important is wood, hay, and stubble. None of that impresses God. I found out through great research that you can't bring your four-wheel drive turbo diesel F-250 with a jacked-up lift kit and, and tires to heaven. Well. It's sad. I had a moment with the Lord. We waited over. We talked this thing through. And he promised me I could ride a line. And I said, well, that's cool. <laughs> Keep the F-250 then, Lord. Because I don't need diesel in heaven anyways. Where I'm going, roads don't exist. <laughs> but we amass all these things. We think even in our prayer lives, we spend so much time praying about things that ultimately have no real value. And that's what the Bible's laying out here. Don't live your life just doing what the world tells you to live so that you can get to heaven and have nothing to show for it. Get as much of heaven as you can on planet earth so that when you cross over, you produce gold, silver, and precious stones. You produce something that has value because this life is but a vapor, but that life is eternity. Amen. Amen. People are like, man, I never realized this. I thought we all got there and we were all issued the same size mansion. And we were all given the same robes and we were all given... No. I mean, people realize if you've read your Bible, God is not a communist. Right. It's all through, it is all throughout the Word of God. How He tests people's hearts. Amen. He says you've been weighed, you've been measured, you've been found wanting or you've been found faithful. And there's rewards. As we said, you must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Serving God has rewards here on planet Earth and especially to come. And so when we're talking about judgment, the great white throne of judgment will be be a day where all you can think is, thank God my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, God, that I don't have to stand up there and have everything I've done read against me. That will not be a day that any of us want to endure. But you won't have to endure it. Years ago, when I was before, before Christ, B.C. years, you know, I got in a lot of trouble with the law. I was a, I was a wild person, believe it or not. I'm not I wasn't always this calm. <laughs> lived, lived pretty hard. And I got in a lot of trouble. They took my license. They did years of, of pro, probation, drug rehab centers, all sorts of stuff I had to go through. And when I went through it, you know, the, the judge called me up. It was like, you got to pay all these fines. you got to do all of these things, probation. It's like years that I had to walk this thing out. And at the end of it, he said, at the end, we will expunge your record to where it doesn't exist, basically. And, and what that means is, whenever I finally completed all of my probation and all of my tasks, I went to get my driver's license back. So I went to the, 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 the clerk, uh, the county clerk office to get my driver's license pay whatever I need to pay and get my driver's license back. And I told the lady at the, the teller, I'm here to get my license back. It was revoked, you know, this year. It's been, you know, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I'd like to get my license back and pay whatever fine and everything like that. And she pulled up my record and she said, there is no record at all. You don't, you have a license right now. You can pay me and we'll reprint it, but it has never been removed. Well, it was removed. But to her knowledge, when it is expunged, there is no record on file that it was ever taken. So it is with Christ Jesus. When you stand there, there is no record. It does not exist. You don't have to sweat and say, man, I hope they don't call up that one time. 
It's gone. It is removed as far as the east is from the west. It has no association with you because the blood has made you white as snow. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. But then what we experience as believers is another form of judgment. It's the judging of the actions of our life and whether they were eternally consequential or not. Because what you do on earth, as the famous movie Gladiator told all of us men, what we do on earth echoes in eternity. It does. It's taken note of. And that's why the Bible lists the difference between the wood, hay, and stubble and the gold and precious stones. Do you know that scripturally, the Bible actually begins to talk about crowns given to a believer? So when you get to heaven, there is a heavenly reward where you are crowned by the King of kings and the Lord of lords for your faithfulness on earth. And if you read the end of Revelations, it says that the elders will gather around the throne and cast their crowns upon him. How are you going to have a crown unless you do what it takes to get a crown? You know what I'm saying? And there will be people there that don't have a crown because they are like the thief. They are saved. Praise God, they're in heaven. Yes, they'll be faithfully rewarded. Yes, they can build from there. But there will be those that get into heaven with a choir of people saying, thank you for your faithfulness to preach the gospel. The first crown mentioned in the, gospel, in, in the word of God is in 1 Thessalonians 2. It is called the crown of rejoicing. Paul, writing to the the church of Thessalonica, mentioned to them about a crown of rejoicing because they were his glory and his joy, for he was a soul winner and had won them to the Lord. The Bible says there is a crown of rejoicing or a soul winner's crown available to those that preach the gospel. Say, heaven takes note of that, you better believe it. All of heaven rejoices over one sinner that comes to repentance. All of heaven stands in recognition that someone just got plucked out of darkness into light. Someone's name just appeared on that book. And by the appearing of that name on that book, every other deed was erased off of their record. They are now sons and daughters of the Holy One. Hallelujah for that. The soul winner's crown is available to those that are soul winners. Goes back to not being a coward. Don't be a coward. People say, I've never led anybody to the Lord. I'm scared. Shake that fear off. That fear is like that paper that the football teams run through. It looks like a barrier, but a little bit of faith, you rip right through it and you realize it was nothing. Break past fear. Fear does not come from God. Fear comes from hell. And the Bible does not say coddle it or counsel it. It says cast it out. Cast it out. you got to stir that up within you. Say, I am not afraid and I am not ashamed. I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's to every born again believer. Come on, somebody. The soul winner's crown. Like somewhere in, in, in Revelations or Proverbs, forget where I've read it, where it speaks about a soul winner. Those that win souls sparkle like diamonds. So, you know, forget twilight. get to heaven you'll be sparkling like a diamond what's that what's that maui sparkle like a wealthy woman's neck make you so shiny i want to get to heaven and shine amen 
Because what it means is I was a soul winner. It means I led someone else to the Lord. It means I can look for eternity at someone and know. <laughs> we did it, buddy. You know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's not like you won them. You just told them and they believed. And it's like a camaraderie that goes for eternity. We're here together, man. We made it. Hallelujah. Soul winner's crown. The Bible talks about the crown of righteousness. For those that keep the faith, Paul wrote about. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Writing at the end of Timothy, speaking about his faithfulness to fight the good fight of faith. To not give in. To stay the course. And there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. For the faithful believers, there is a crown of righteousness that will be given to you on the other side. What is faithfulness? It's faithfulness to stand against persecution. Your uncle that mocks you. Your aunt that calls you crazy. Your next door neighbor that says you're one of those weirdo, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, you joined a cult. Well, if it's a cult, then a cult it will be. But it's the Holy Ghost cult, and I belong to that. A lie from the pit of hell anyways. For the crown of righteousness, for those that endure all the slander, all the junk, all the temptation that this world wants to bind us up with, and you say, I don't want any of that. I want the things of heaven. I want to peep, fix my eyes on Christ and I want to press towards the mark of the high calling of God. I don't want to be entangled with the cares of this world. Paul wrote, a soldier does not get entangled with civilian activities. So it is for you as a soldier of Christ. Yes, we're going to pray for Ukraine. Yes, we're going to pray for the nation. Yes, we're going to pray for godly leaders. Yes, but we are salvation. And our joy is not attached to the chaos going on around us. It is attached to the kingdom that is within us. And I pray from that place too. That's the place you pray from. I'm not worried about anything. You can drop nuclear bombs in America, but if it ain't my time, it ain't my time. If it is my time, thank you for helping me get there sooner. I'll be rejoicing. It is a crown of righteousness laid up for those that are faithful. Are you faithful? Pastor Mark spoke about, are we faithful? People say, I want to have great faith. Great faith is being full of faith, which is faithful. Are you faithful over little? If you're faithful over little, you'll be made ruler over much. That's the crown of righteousness that comes upon you. And when you cross over, you don't cross over to low levels. You cross over to levels where God acknowledges that you have been found, proven yourself, and true to the things of God. And enter now into the fullness of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord. There's a crown of righteousness. And the Bible says there's a crown of life. The martyr's crown. For those that are faithful even unto death in Revelations 2. I will give you the crown of life. You know that just for the Bible to be translated into, into everyday tongue. So many lives were required. People were killed. Religion killed them. Did you know that? It wasn't the world. It was literally religious leaders killing people to keep the Bible from falling into your hands because then they couldn't control you anymore. Right? And they murdered. But these people did it with joy, saying that I would gladly give my life because I know in the giving of my life, if I lay down as a seed that falls in the ground to die, I will reap and produce and multiply many more sons and daughters for the Lord. Today you can read the Bible on your phone with no threat of life, no worry, no concern, because someone gave their life to give you that word. Never forget the cost of the gospel. Never forget that in America, people gave their lives 
to forge a nation that gave you the freedom of religion so that the gospel could be proclaimed across this nation. And the enemy is always looking to fight that. But we as believers, we don't care. Because every threat this world has, has no hold on us anyways. Jesus, for in the twinkling of an eye, and at that trumpet sound, this corruptible will put on incorruptible, this mortal will put on immortality, and will be caught up in the air with Christ Jesus Almighty. Amen. Because what is working within us is life and life everlasting. The crown of life, the martyr's crown. Then there's a crown of glory the Bible speaks of that Peter wrote about in 1 Peter. Speaking about the shepherds and the leaders of the church. He's warned them and said, do not be unfaithful. Do not shepherd them in manipulation for selfish gain. But be a true shepherd. Lead people through purity. And there will be upon you a crown of glory when you cross over. It is for faithful elders in the church of God. I believe that also applies to those that step into the place and the calling of making disciples of other men. If you faithfully lead them, you faithfully disciple another, you pour into them of your own life, giving of yourself, valuing them above yourself even, in the midnight hour and pouring out your life, there is a crown that comes upon you. What does this all mean? It means to let you realize this life is truly but a vapor. And it will come to an end. But for those of us that know Christ Jesus, really the word, the terminology is not that we will even taste of death. It will as though we fall asleep and wake up in glory. And that will be eternal. To an unbeliever, it will not be the same. If I can get someone on the keys playing right now, I'd like to give a challenge in this room right now. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you've never had that opportunity that life sprung up within you, then today I want to pray with you and for you. Because I'm here to tell you that every price that was needed to be paid for you to enter into heaven has been paid in full. The only thing you have to do is humble yourself and say, I'll take that deal today. Christ died for you. He gave all for you. He loves you. He considered it a joy and a delight to give his life for years. And all it takes from us on planet earth is to say yes to that. Say, yes, God, I want to know you. And I want to have you in my life. I want you to take out the stony heart and I want you to put in a heart of flesh. I want you to transform me. I want you to break the power of death and sin off of my life. As scripture said, oh death, where is your victory? Oh grave, or death, where is your sting? And oh grave, where is your victory? It's been broken off of those that believe. It has no hold and no, no cling to you whatsoever. But all it takes is that place to say, Lord, I need you. If you've never had that moment with every head bowed and every eye closed now across this place, I want you to search your heart. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.